Welcome back to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. We are back after our daily Vuelta a Burgos Feminas edition of the podcast. It was really awesome to do those daily podcasts and we got a ton of really good feedback. So thank you so much to everybody who listened to those and who enjoyed listening to us talk about racing four days in a row. I'm Abby Mickey and I am, as always, joined by Lauren Rowney, looking absolutely beautiful today. I feel like a, a whale, but yes, thank you. <laughs> this angle, for people who are listening, we do this on Zoom, so we get to look at each other, which is really nice. And today there's two white angels and one black little devil on the screen. <laughs> but yes, I'm doing good. I'm good. Happy to be back. It feels like a lifetime since we last recorded, to be honest. It does. It does, actually. Amy, how's it going? Good. Yeah, it, do, it feels like ages since we last spoke. Also, I don't know how radiant I'm looking, even though I'm wearing a white top. Like, this angle is not so great. It's for the old double chin situation. But <laughs> here we go. That's where I'm at right now. I feel like I should take a screenshot so people actually know what we're... I'm going to do that. Oh, God. Great. <laughs> Check out my Twitter if you want to see that. S- suck it in, Amy. Stop <laughs> it <Stitching you>. out. <laughs> uh, anyway, before we kind of get started, just really quick apologies for the audio is less than optimal today. We've had some technical difficulties as we set up the podcast today, which is pretty normal in this day and age, I feel, in the world of Zoom, but also whenever you're using any kind of technical equipment, it will fail eventually. So really sorry for that. Before we dive into everything that we're chatting about today, which is the Lotto Tour again, Ladies Tour, Lucinda Brand, some Olympic stuff, this week's episode is brought to you by Pac and their award-winning helmet, the Ventra Light. The lightest helmet Pac has ever made. The Ventra Light was inspired by the iconic Octal helmet that Pac introduced in 2014. This helmet was created specifically for cyclists who value weight, ventilation, and comfort, with the Ventralite, you feel nothing but protected. Pair it with the Devour sunglasses, my favorite sunglasses ever. Sunglasses based on the principle that when you see every detail, you can better react to dangers. The Devour uses Pog's unique clarity lens technology and fully adjustable fit for any head size and shape. Thank you, Pog, for sponsoring this episode. The Devour are just my favorite sunglasses of all time. I love them so much. They're just so amazing. They're really big ones. They're massive. Okay. But it's true. Like they're so big that you can, that there's no lens when you look in any which direction, like you can see so many things. I can't believe that we used to wear like the tiny little, you know, swim goggle sunglasses. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into it. Over last week, we had the Lotto Turingen Ladies Tour, which was six days of really exciting racing. There was no live coverage, but we did have recaps and it was, it was interesting. The podiums for every single one of the stages were like all the same people. They kind of just handed it around a little bit. Emma Norsgaard won the first stage and wore the leader's jersey for a couple days. Lorena Weebus won the second stage, Lucinda Brand the third stage, Lotto Kopecky the fourth stage. And that's when Lucinda Brand took over the leader's jersey from Emma Norsgaard. Lucinda Brand also won the fifth stage in the leader's jersey. And then Lorena Weebus won the final stage with Lucinda Brand taking the overall. What do we have to unpack from this race? I mean, given the technical nature of the courses, they're not flat. There's 
ba they're basically every single course was kind of rolling, but it did basically come down to a sprint every day. Yeah, it was like a total departure from what we saw in Burgos, which was all the climbers coming out. Um, this time it was the sprinters turn, but yeah, they were kind of punchier courses rather than like full, full on flat stages. Um, but it was nice to see some of the characters from the classics come back again, like Emma Norsgaard and Lotte Kopecky and showing that they're still in really great form as well. The the thing is, like, it's definitely a tour that is tailored to someone who has a strong finish, but you have to be able to climb. So like you're saying, the classic type riders. Um, but what I thought was missing was the time trial because that's usually, I think I mentioned it before, it's a huge element in this race. And, of course, you know, the the jersey always changes hands when when there is a time trial because it's usually a decent size one at Turrigan. It's not an easy time trial either. Time trialists used to show up for it in particular because, like we mentioned before, there's very few opportunities to practice this discipline. So for me, that was, yeah, a bit different from the past. I'm pretty sure the last edition they still had a time trial. So you would see someone like Lisa Brenoir, for example, win this sort of race. But, yeah, the sprinters, I wouldn't classify Lucinda as a sprinter, but... Um, yeah, she's a really great classics writer. So, yeah, what thoughts on that? Lucinda was really impressive. I mean, she came back to racing sooner than planned at Strada Bianchi earlier in the year. She wasn't supposed to, to restart the road season after cyclocross for a couple more weeks, I think. Lizzie Dignan was having some health issues and Ruth Winter was stuck in the U.S., so that meant that Lucinda got called up for Strada. So she came back to racing earlier than planned, and she's done a couple one days leading up to Turingen, but she really showed up for this race. I mean, she was really impressive. She won two stages, was second on two stages, and, and won the overall. So I think it was interesting watching her. When it comes to Olympic selection, like you said, this was a way different race than, than Vuelta a Burgos, which meant we got to see different riders really kind of show themselves. And there's a handful of riders in the top, you know, 10 that the Olympic selections haven't been made yet for Lucinda brand. She, the Dutch have already announced their team and she's, she's not on it, but for Emma Norsgaard, is she, I don't know if she's doing the track or not. I know she like seems like a really good track rider because Lota Kopecky is doing the Madison with uh, Jolene Dehor and is not doing the road race in theory. Although mm. I feel like it would be really smart for them to take that her for, for both things. I don't know how it would line up or if it would work, but man, she is just riding so well on the road right now. She was third on the first stage third on the third stage, won the fourth stage, and then was second on the, on the last stage. And she won the stage. She won stage four was like the quote unquote queen stage. I mean, who does Belgium send if you don't have a lot of Kopecky and Jolinda Horta? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's some good Belgian riders, but for sure they're the standout. They've won a ton of points as well this year. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming they probably have at least three spots for the Olympics. I haven't seen any, any announcement yet, but I'd be curious to see. I mean, the, the thing is, if they have a chance to win, it, it's, it's medals, right? So basically the Sporting Federation will look at how 
how they can win medals. And those two are very good on the track. You'll win one, an individual medal in Rio for the Omnium. So, I mean, they've been world champion, I think, for the Madison. So there is a possibility. Yeah, so the two of them are huge threat. Like, they, they could win the Olympics for the Madison for sure. But I'm not sure if the track comes after the road or the road comes first. The road comes first. Yeah, road's really early. The road so is like the one of the first events that happens, that the whole thing. Okay, well, then that that's a hard one. There's always the risk of crashing, right? Um, which can eliminate you from your main event, which is the track. But, I mean, I don't know who Belgium would put in their team if it was not Lotte Kopecky and Yolin. Valerie Demay. Demay. Is that how you say her name? Her last name? It sounds pretty. <laughs> she was on She's on Liv. Um, oh, yeah. She's, she's riding really well. She came 10th uh, overall, actually. Okay. Um. So going back to Olympic selection, that would be a really good performance. Again, a lot of countries still haven't announced their teams yet. Germany might have a hard time. Yeah, Germany has Leon Lippert, who was third on the fourth stage. And she's, she's such a strong rider. She's had some incredible results in the past, but has not been up there this year. But between her and they also have Lisa, uh, Lisa Brenauer. Strong Again, back. going back to the track, I think, is Lisa going to be on the track with Germany? Probably. Yeah. Uh, she'll be racing the time trial too on the road. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Catherine Hamas has been racing really well. There's another German. Yeah, she has. She's really been up there showing herself. But then, of course, like with federations, uh, they always have their favourites, and Germany is definitely a country who favours certain riders. Um, they have the same sort of selectors, so they'll be more likely to take people they've taken before. Corrections Corner. I've stolen Amy's job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the women's road race, the, cl- the countries that qualified with the most spots are the Netherlands, Italy, Germany, United States, and Australia. So Germany has four spots on- in the road race which means that Leanne Lippert, I feel like, Leanne Lippert and um, Lisa Brenauer are are definitely going to do the road race. And then Claire Koppenberg had a really good ride at Vuelta Albergos. I would be kind of curious if they do take that chance on her. I'm not sure. That's like a little bit of a up in the air kind of thing. But the other rider that I think that they would be looking at would be Katrin Hamas. Yeah. Cause she's, I mean, she's like quite consistent and, and would be a great combination with Lippert and, and uh, Lisa Brenauer. Um, so Australia and the Netherlands have announced their Olympic teams, Italy and the United States have not. Uh, <laughs> Belgium has three spots. Yep. And, and yeah, like I said, Kopecky earlier this year, she said that she would be racing the uh, the Madison on the track, but I guess it depends on the the restrictions in Tokyo whether she'll be able to race the road race and then stay around for the entire time until the track event because they have such strict rules about coming into Tokyo, racing your event, and leaving immediately afterwards. So I wonder how they're going to deal with that for someone like Kopecky who 
yes, she's, she's doing the Madison, but my goodness, I would be just so disappointed not to see her race the road race as well, because it's not technically not really a course for her, but, but it kind of like, isn't like, you can't completely rule her out from being a factor in it. She's, she's clearly been climbing well enough throughout the entire spring. She won the queen stage of Turingen and she's got such a good sprint on her, but she's so savvy and she just jumps into all of these moves. And I mean, the way that she raced in the spring and, and throughout the classics, I mean, I just, I would love to see her in the road race there. I mean, it's not the worst thing to have a hit out a week before, right? Um, I'm assuming how things work instead of team showing up early before the games, they're literally going to be just flying in when, when they have to, in a sense, and just acclimatizing a little bit um, and then getting straight into it because what is it there in Tokyo then? It's very, 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 very hot and humid. Um, so that's going to be a huge factor of the games. I can't wait till we have a full debrief of the Olympics road race. It's just a constant conversation that we just always talk about. Because it's getting closer. We're in June officially now. So it's next month. Oh, yeah, it is. Yep. Wow. That's that is true. <sighs> Finally. So Denmark, Canada, Poland, Spain, Great Britain, Norway, and South Africa all have two spots. Canada has been announced. And South Africa fulfilled the second spot with quite a young rider, or I thought I saw oh. something on Instagram um, passing by from a young rider. She's a U23 South African champion. Is it Haley Prem? Is it that they are sending her perhaps just for um, the experience? Of course, I hope they do. Luxembourg, France, Cuba, Mexico, Switzerland, Slovenia, Belarus, Japan, and, well, Russia all have one. So Belarus will be Amaluzic. For sure. Luxembourg, um, obviously, is Myrus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got two spots, I believe, in the 2016, and my friend got to go because of that. <laughs> That's Which awesome. Which is awesome. Myrus definitely got all those points. Yeah. Yeah, she, she got quite a few that year. Um, I think like she won tour of Qatar and whatnot and everything. So Amelia Farland will be representing Sweden alone, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. The other, the other places with one spot, Uzbekistan, Thailand, Trinidad and Tobago. So to uh, Israel. So you'd assume Omer for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's been riding like a boss. <laughs> yeah. She's so strong and she'll be able to ride for herself that in that race. So I guess it's a, that's an interesting one because she, she's been riding as a domestique for so long that you forget how to race for yourself. You do, you Mm. get conditioned just to ride the front. And then if you're not there at the finish, your job has been done. Well, you shouldn't be there actually. Cyprus, China, Austria, Sweden, Colombia, Ukraine, Chile, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, Lithuania, Namibia and Eritrea. So those are the, in theory, but the actual, you know, start list and stuff we will obviously talk about later. But we talk so much about it that I think it was important for us to kind of lay out 
who actually how many people will be going for each country, which I mean, we'll definitely talk about it again. But yeah. Well, the UK haven't announced their team yet, have they? They have not, which that's another interesting thing out of this race is it was Lizzie, Lizzie and um, Ellen Van Dyke's first race back since the spring when both of them had had health issues. Ellen had um, COVID and Lizzie, it was never announced what she, what she had or what she was sick with, but she really had a rough spring. So this was their first race back and they, they both ended up racing for Lucinda. Um, but yeah, Lizzie still not really on that top form that we, that we've, we saw her in last year. So that's, I mean, she's such a like professional athlete that you'd think by the time the Olympics rolls around and even, even in, you know, 26 days when it's LaCourse, that she's going to find some kind of form, but also that's 26 days is not a lot of time. That's like three, three weeks, a little bit over three weeks to be able to figure out or to be able to find your legs. And it sounds like a lot of days, but in, in reality, it's not. Like you said, though, she is really a true professional and she's very methodical. She has a plan. She has a lot of trust in herself, too. And Lizzie coaches herself, but has, you know, essentially someone giving her a little bit of guidance. Um, She came close to winning the Olympics in 2012. This might be her last Olympics. We don't know. Um, So I'm sure she'll have some sort of plan there is still time enough for sure it's just getting those race days under a belt and then hopefully having a good performance somewhere just to give you that boost of confidence not that she needs the confidence but you know how it is before you go into a big event if you if you've had a like a good win then it's just that extra little motivation that yeah I've been performing just a few weeks ago. I'm going to carry this through to to the games. That being said, we've seen instances like 2016 where I thought Megan Garnier or Evelyn Stevens would have been um, maybe on the podium at the Olympics based on the, the Giro Rosa performance. But then you just never know what's going to happen on that day. And with travel and the different climate Rio was yeah quite a far journey for a lot of athletes. Um, the weather wasn't too horrendous from what I heard, but Tokyo will be, yeah, I think it's about 12 hours of travel, but the, the conditions there are going to be something really different. I think if you come from one of the northern parts of Australia, you'll be adapted to it. But just speaking to people who did a race there two years ago as rowers, it was horrendous, like the sort of weather where you walk outside and it's just like that instant humidity where it just hits you in the face and then you're sweating. So that can be a game changer, particularly for like, say, the Scandinavian countries. I know Amelia Farland's been doing a ton of work the past year already with heat acclimatization training. Yeah, Tom's as well has been has been um, setting up his trainer in the bathroom after every ride and riding his trainer in the bathroom for an hour with the heat, with like heaters on. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> gross. No, thanks. Yeah. Well, before the Qatar worlds, we, we did like a two week camp, the AIS 
I think a month out, but it's not enough to really truly acclimatize. You have to be doing it over a long period of time and just consistently putting your body under that sort of stress. So that's going to be a huge factor for the games. For Qatar Worlds, Amber Neben set up her trainer inside a sauna and was riding her trainer, her TT bike on the trainer inside a sauna. And And she she won. won. Yeah. Anyway, what else do we have to take out of Turingen? Well, it was nice to see Lizzie and Ellen back, that's for sure, in the domestique role, which Mm -hmm. is always fun when you see, like, two champions like that just... Well, that being said, Ellen does race a lot for for her teammates, but Lizzie, I thought maybe this would be a race where she would go back and maybe try to get some stages, but obviously she's still in that coming back sort of phase. Um, So that was really cool to see them back. But then, like you said, just seeing those same sort of classic riders on the podium, we didn't really see um, what I thought would be nice to see like someone like uh, Katrin Hammers actually get on the podium. Mm. I think she took the the mountain jersey, which is really cool, and she was definitely active and up there. But, um, oh, I will say this. It was great to see Amelia Farlam on the podium on the last stage. Oh, plus one, plus one. Yeah. Plus two. Yeah, the only takeaway point for me is that it's a completely different race when you don't have the time trial in there. And that usually comes stage four or five from memory, um, which can really mix it up. And then, yeah, I love a finish up the Hunkerberg. I think it's it's a great finish, um, particularly Lotta Kopecky winning that stage just goes to show her class as a rider. It's really not an easy hill to get up. As you would probably know. The ITT, the ITT last year was stage five, won by Ellen Van Dyke with Lisa Brenauer in second and Lisa Klein in third. But what's interesting about the race this year and the race last year, if you kind of look at the results from last year, the top five was three German riders, one Danish rider and one Spanish rider. So like a lot more of a home tour kind of. In not last year, 2019, because last year the race was canceled. But did 2020 happen? I I don't even know. It just no. feels like a nightmare at this point. Um, but <laughs> skipping <laughs> the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> but if you kind of like look at the results this year, it's a lot more international of a top field, which is hate to bang on about the Olympics, but it does have to do with both the reduced calendar. And this race kind of being a little bit more important than it has been in the years past with just this gap in racing right now. And also that the Olympics were postponed. So now there's still all these riders who need to need to kind of prove it so that they can make their teams. Tiffany Cromwell was seventh overall. Which is great. Mm. Yeah. That just solidifies exactly why Australia is sending her. She it's really great to see her her back to her old ways. Like she's really found that spark again. And, you know, she's been in the peloton a really, really long time. And a lot of riders start dropping off after a while, but it's, it seems like she's got this extra motivation and hundred percent great choice for the Australian team to go to the Olympics. I will say this, it was good to see Lorena Weebs take two stages as well, just solidifying um, that move to DSM, which we sort of hesitated with. It could have gone 
either way, essentially. So she's had a few wins this year um, and has basically taken all their wins for the season so far. Pretty much, yeah. I think she has actually won all of their wins. So this was a good tour for, for that team. I think for, for Tiff, I, I don't even remember the last time she would have been able to race for herself. Like she's been for the, since basically joining Canyon SRAM and maybe even on um, Velocio SRAM and Specialized Lululemon, she's really been like a team leader, uh, a captain on the road, but she's not been able to race for herself in years. So it's really interesting that she's their top place rider in this race and that she finally got a chance to ride for herself when after so many years, she's been put in a box of being, um, being a more of a guide to the younger riders on that team. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's, that's super interesting in racing that you need, you know, you've got your team leader but you need someone else to be director on the road. And, and you always see teams fall apart when it's the same person because you can't be directing your, your teammates and telling them what to do while also focusing on yourself and racing for the win. And so with Tiff at this race, I mean, Alexis was there as well. I know that she's an incredible di- like director on the road. Um, she was when, when I was on United Healthcare and she was only, I think, 19 or 20 at that time and she was amazing so she's only gotten more experience so I wonder I don't know what was going on behind the scenes with Canyon SRAM um, at Turingen but I wonder if they did kind of move the roles around a little bit and and let Tiff race for herself which if so that's great because she needs at this point she needs experience doing that if she's going to win a race because it, it has to click back into place in some way because it's been so long since she's been able to go for the win. Well, Tiff has always been one of the savviest riders I know. That's how I've always known her as a rider. And she could win in a whole different kinds of situations, which made her just so invaluable to have on, on a team. But I think her last win was probably in 2017 at this race, perhaps. Um, so it's been a long time between between wins or like essentially being able to ride for a win. So I'm curious to see what her role will develop into in the team now. Um, I think there's a bit more opportunity in Canyon Tram, to be honest. They've got a lot of young riders, so they're still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's really great. And we've seen this with another rider, Amelia Farland, for the longest time. She's been a pro since she was... 18 so basically the same as tiff i think they probably entered the pro ranks exactly the same time she fell very much into a domestique on on lululemon and then had a few years you know with high tech and wiggle she was on the team with wiggle when they were really stacked so again she was sort of in that workers role and now like since she's been with fdj i think she's just really found the right team for her and she has leadership roles um so hopefully we see the same sort of thing from Tiff. Yeah, her last win was actually, well, discounting a, a, t- a team time trial, her last individual win was July 2017. True again. Um, yeah, at this race. And mm. actually, I think, I think, I'm sure I saw something on her Instagram that she was actually like a last minute call up to this race. Um, mm. So that's even more impressive, I guess, given that she wasn't necessarily prepared to be racing it. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, the other thing I guess we could just mention is it's no surprise that Trek re-signed Lucinda for another two years. I was moving into that, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Beat you to it, host. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Trek Segafredo announced just after Lucinda Brand's win at Turingen that she has re-signed for two years with the road team and also the cyclocross team. So that's awesome. I mean, I think that makes that makes total sense. They I they would have signed her before the race even because they wouldn't have signed her and announced it the the day of (laughs) but clearly a good move I mean she's an absolute legend and and for cross she's the world champion so I respect athletes that combine disciplines so much it's just really impressive we need to do a podcast just on combined disciplines and how they do it okay all right moving on Jira Rosa presentation is coming up. They're going to announce their stages on June 3rd via live stream. 10 stages, obviously, longest stage race on the women's calendar. Uh, we talk about it all the time, but keep an eye on cyclingtips.com. What a great website. Uh, to find out what stages the women are going to tackle in this year's Jira Rosa. As always, it can be taken with a grain of salt because the profiles and the maps are probably wrong. <laughs> Yeah. But they've already announced and we've talked about it. There will be live coverage of. Well, yeah. I thought that website, I have to say the website that popped up, I thought it was fake initially because it was almost like too good to be true. Um, And also it wasn't sort of beyond um, like someone already made a kind of fake proposal or like a not fake like a a a kind of what's the word like wishful thinking for the women's tour mm. um where he i think it was like a 14 day proposal this guy drew up so oh, i was like yeah. oh maybe it's like this like maybe someone's just set up this website and gone like this is what it should be but because it was like yeah we're going to have live coverage we've got these stages like they gave some detail and i was like this is, this can't be real but turns out it's real Man, I hope they prove us wrong with everything. Yeah, oh, I exactly. would absolutely love for them to prove us wrong. Yeah. I would love for us all to have to eat our socks at the end of the Jira Rosa when everything goes well. <laughs> like, let's slap some ketchup on those bad boys. And... <laughs> I love brown sauce on mine. Yeah, gross. That's because she's Sorry. British. She is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Canadians invented ketchup? Did they? Stop it, really? I don't know if that's true, but that's what my mom claims. And uh, Canadians <laughs> are obsessed with ketchup. and I, So it makes sense to me. I'm like, okay, yeah. But aren't Americans obsessed with ketchup too? I think Americans are also obsessed with ketchup, but it's like in Canada, it's a whole nother level. Like my mom puts ketchup on her French toast, on grilled cheese, on mac and yeah. cheese, on eggs. Okay, so it's like what mayonnaise is in Belgium. Correct. It is ketchup in it's crazy here that was one thing i learned is like the mayonnaise comes out with every meal <laughs> i am not kidding the mayonnaise to be fair is pretty good here but mm. it would explain why you put on unnecessary kilos <laughs> no that's a baby lauren <laughs> it's a baby we'll blame the baby and the angle of the zoom the the <laughs> laptop speaking of uh live coverage just like a very short side note, 
um, that unbound gravel will have live broadcasting of the final 25 miles of the elite men's and women's races, which is, I believe the first time ever that a gravel race as gravel specific race. So not like Trobo bro Leon has been broadcast live. Um, which is, you know, gravel. I have my own opinions about gravel, but it's great for those athletes who have chosen to pivot their road racing or who, you know, weren't road racers and are, and are now racing on the gravel. Well, like, the thing is, people, <laughs> I think some of these gravel riders are actually making more money than some professional riders. Oh, absolutely. Like, sure. it's really a thing. And can we yeah. talk about the bandana thing? What's the bandana thing? In gravel? Like, the, they all wear bandanas around their neck. Because they're cool, Warren. Yeah, well. They wear the Velocio Micro Model jersey with their bandanas and they look which i love hip. that I is love the that only jersey. jersey that fits me pregnant exactly. women that are listening you can still fit into the size you were before you're pregnant this material is amazing like literally <laughs> it's the only jerseys i can wear it's, it's so fantastic funny. i wear an extra small and whenever i pull it out of like like i got a new one i pulled it out of the package and i like held it up to tom's and he was like that's, that's for a tiny child. and i was like no like i i did buy a small and it was baggy once I put it on like don't understand anyway we're, we've gotten sidetracked this was actually a shorter episode than usual I think we're at 30 minutes <laughs> but Amy's now moving around so I guess it's a perfect time to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast we will be back next week to talk about the Tour de Swiss which is coming up this weekend and does have live coverage so make sure to watch that and yeah, have a great week. Thanks, everybody.